Welcome back to My America. Uh, Dan and Kim here with you. Kim, how how are you doing? You ready for this to talk yeah. a little bit of, uh, I don't know what the Republicans call it, the Trumplicans call it socialism? Um, as I am in every conversation, I've done minimal research, um, but it's the research that agrees with me, and I'm ready to talk as if I'm an expert. So let's do it. Are you sure you're progressive? Because that sounds, anyway. <laughs> um, so here's the thing. Uh, you are listening to My America, and today we are talking universal basic income, or UBI, because it's just one of those things that's out there in the world right now, and it's an interesting conversation, and I've got a story about why, what I love about it here coming up. But first, let's introduce our guests. What do you think? Sure. Since I know them, should I let you do the introduction? Oh, you do it. <laughs> yeah, I'll, okay. Yeah. So we're joined today by two of the voices from the Keep Your Voice Down podcast and from Watershed Voice, uh, Alec and Doug. Alec and Doug, thanks so much for joining us, man. I'm excited. Yeah, uh, Doug is very, very excited because this is yet another podcast that he gets to be on and he doesn't have to edit. He's super <laughs> pumped about it. Huh? Um, <laughs> he is glad to be here, as am I, especially because... I don't have to edit. So thank you, Kim. Well, congratulations to everyone. Yeah. (laughs) That's why I do this show because all I do is show up and talk. It's awesome. I'm just saying, if you ever have the opportunity to do a podcast without any additional responsibility, you should do it. (laughs) I give it a shot. I hear it's nice. So on My America, we are talking universal basic income. And it's something that's been out there, um, especially the U.S. conversation since the, was it the 2020 election that it started kind of gaining speed? That's when it came back into vogue, but it has been a for centuries. We're talking Thomas Paine and stuff like it's been yeah. around for a very long time. The idea. So nothing new under the sun, basically. That's what we're talking. No, about. no. Fantastic. Just Andrew Yang brought it back. Um, you know, Kim's favorite. Oh, congratulations. Um, you like math. Go be president. That's great. <laughs> oh, the Democrats don't like me. I'm starting a new one. I got a book now. Congratulations, to Andrew Yang. Anyway, he's our guest next week, and we're really looking forward to diving in deep. See, and this well, is- if he comes on, let, let him know I need a math pin because I need to be that subtle. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's what I love about the Democratic Party, though, is that it's not so like cultish um, that you can't speak out against each other a little bit, whatever. So Kim, where where where's your head start with with UBI? Give everybody money, give them the money. Where's that come from? Well, first of all, it's been proven that like the idea of like oh if we give you a UBI of let's say two thousand dollars a month, you're gonna be lazy and not do any work. That's actually been proven to not be true. You're gonna put that back into the economy. You're gonna have people having I don't know crazy things like livable wage. And also the ability to not have to work 13 jobs at once and work yourself into an early grave. And uh, you could be uh, productive and happy and have work-life balance. (laughs) You could have these things. Things can be good. Hmm. That's weird. And we Uh, kind of have a UBI anyway. The rich people have it. But we don't call it that when it's rich people having it. We say things like, no, they were smart enough to not pay taxes um but when we're talking about giving it to everybody then we say well no because quote poor people are lazy yeah, yeah. i hate that i yeah yeah um so i go back to uh when i was binging star trek oh my god and starting out listen hey be nice um and and i remember i don't know the exact quote but basically but the idea was like oh yeah we've evolved so much that everybody just lives there's no more like you know, capitalism and we all just have money and we can do so many great things like, you know, create a warp drive and travel the galaxies and what, and I'm like, huh, interesting. So when you're free to actually dream and work on the things that you want to, you can do some really cool stuff and not just have to survive. So obviously I'm not the only one whose um, political leanings or life philosophy is influenced by television. Right. Um, <laughs> because I would say, and this specific thing was about um, college, about college education, but I will, I will uh, beckon back to Aaron Sorkin, um, which I often do. You can ask Doug all the time. Um, (laughs) Having a conversation in a bar, guy talking about sending his um, little girl to Notre Dame, right? And he says, you know what? I like that it's hard. I like that, you know, having to support your family 
is hard. And now this was a little, you know, this was like 20 years ago. So he said, it's a man's job, but no, it's a person's job. It's a parent's job. But I would like it if it was just a little easier. And I think that's what universal basic income is about. I want to work. And I know most people do. But you know what really sucks? Worrying about where your next meal's coming from. Worrying about if you can pay your mortgage. Forget about health insurance. Forget about dental. Forget about seeing a therapist to deal with all the traumatic things that happen to Americans on a daily basis. Forget that. We just want it to be a little easier. And I think that's what universal basic income is about. And I have some thoughts about Yang's plan here at some point we can talk about. Um, it's not enough. Yeah, I would agree with that because I think that's what's getting missed is, is people are like free money. Nobody's going to work. But like the Stockton, California experiment was $500 a, a month, which is $6,000 a year. It's a lot of money, but I'm not quitting my job to get 6,000. Andrew Yang's plan is double that. That's still $12,000 a year. I can't, I mean, yeah, I'd have a lot more flexibility with $12,000. I I don't know anybody who's quitting their job because of an extra 12,000, except for like those people who are six months from retirement anyway, and are just holding on for that last little bit. You know, I was just having a, a conversation with my parents about their retirement planning. That would pretty much do it for them. But like, working age people, they're just going to have flexibility. You know, and when I think about it, when I think about these situations, it reminds me of these stories that you hear every once in a while, like, you know, so and so got into a car accident, the insurance payout was really good, he threw it into a project. And now he's, you know, super famous, or like, you know, there's a story of Nathaniel Hawthorne, which I'm going to mention so that I sound well read, because that was like 200 years ago, uh, where like, he basically lost his job at like a publishing company or something, something, he told his wife, and he expected her to be distraught. And she's like, let me show you something. She had built up enough savings that he could take a year off from work. And from that year off from work, he wrote, i whichever one of his novels was the first one, probably the Scarlet Letter and became one of our like literary institutions and, you know, contributed to publishing, contributed to the economy in all these different ways, because he had the freedom to like, you know, pour himself into a passion project for a year. And that's all it took. Well, and that is another one of those, but another one of those buzzwords, right? Freedom. We talk about freedom in America and it's absolutely a pillar of the Republican Party. We also talk about business, right? You know how many small businesses would actually get off the ground if we had universal basic income? Because yeah. you would be able, you were, as a guy who started a brand new, um, you know, publication during a pandemic, I can tell you that if I had a universal basic income, this whole thing would have been a lot easier and I could have done a lot more things. So trying to keep it alive is huge. And then also the other huge thing is that people don't understand that right now, in order to even scrape by, Kim said 13 jobs, but like three, four, five jobs just to pay your bills. Um, that's not, that's not okay. So basically either you have this universal basic income or you crank up the minimum wage way past 15. That's not even close. Yeah. That was the you know what I mean? 2005. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we keep harping on, I keep hearing, well, $15, $15. And it's like, no, inflation keeps going up. The cost of living keeps going up. So absolutely. I'm a hundred percent with you, Doug. So I, I was, I saw a, I get I get my news from Facebook memes, and I saw the <laughs> Facebook meme that that uh, and said, watershed voice and, and watershed, watershed voice. voice. I mean that's I mean that's where I get my actual news from. But, um, okay. So so I saw this this like meme or image or whatever you want to call it that said like CEO salaries have risen nine hundred some percent since nineteen seventy eight, while the average workers has grown like almost nothing, seven percent or whatever the number was. I started thinking about like, okay, my visceral reaction is, well, the, the hell with that. That's bullshit. Like we need to, we need to tear down the system and, and, and I was like, okay, hold on, hold on. That's the point <laughs> of a meme, right? Is get me emotionally riled up. So I did go and do a little, just a little bit of research, very little bit. I Googled two things, um, but I did see that like the minimum wage from 1978 was like $2 something, 265. 
the minimum wage nationally right now is like 965, I think, the federal minimum wage. So that growth is 300%. And I was like, okay, well, that's a different way to look at. Now, I also know that minimum wage is not necessarily average work. I realize that. But I know that my wage, since when I started as a 21-year-old person in my professional career to where I am now, is much different. And I don't need to be rich. I'm not looking to be Bezos and go to the upper stratosphere, not quite space. High sky. Um, high sky. <laughs> high sky, right? Um, but like I want to, but I, but I live pretty well. I'm able to give and support work out there in the world. I'm able to take care of my family. I live comfortably and I'm happy. I don't need to be rich. I would like a little bit more though. But, um, but that growth of 900%, whereas your average American worker isn't growing at anything like that was still very stark in, in my little, again, my little bit of research. So while minimum wage has increased, you like you can't live on that. And I get, I get so tired of the, well, but minimum wage jobs are for like entry level. You, you, you still can't live on that. Also, what are we doing in this country? Why are we judging what anybody is doing for their job? Whatever you're working, if you have a job that is bringing in income, who are we to say that we are better than you because we did your job is X and my job is Y? That is, it is absolutely mind blowing that we do this in this country. Well, that's a job for teenagers. It's a job. It's a job. What are we doing here? And then we had to make that hard right to to determine that they were actually essential workers because our entire system was breaking down. That lasted a good six months. And then we decided they were just, you know, losers looking for money for, for sodas and movies again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. I need, I need cheeseburgers. I need gas for my car. I need, um, y- you know what? I love when I go to a place, a public place and it's clean. Um, my dad, my dad has been, a blue collar worker his entire life. I can't tell you how many different jobs he's had. He's been a mechanic. He's um, owned adult foster care homes. He's been um, an entrepreneur with, um, you know, he owned an ice cream business growing up, um, a pizzeria, all this stuff without a high school education. Um, And, but that's not possible anymore. Mm -hmm. It's not possible. The reason my dad was able to do that is because we didn't put all of these requirements on people. So in addition to, we talked about, oh, retirement, right? $12,000 a year is still below the poverty line. So anybody, that's why Yang's plan is bullshit. Here's why it's really bullshit. Because in addition to not giving people enough money, he says, we take all the other social program benefits away. If basically you have a choice, either you get universal basic income, my plan, $1,000 a month, and you get rid of social security and disability and all of those other things, or you stay on that stuff. Mm-hmm. So what it's not doing, and he loves to, as so many people do, loves to talk about MLK, right? Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King's suggestion was not $1,000 a month. It was median income, median income, which in this country, which is super depressing for me, by the way, is like $68,000, $68,000. So that's what Martin Luther King was talking about. Hmm. Now, obviously, it was a smaller number back then, but still median income. Everybody should have a median income. I don't know if we need to go that far, um, but I also hear about how Yang's plan would take like 50% of the federal budget. And you know what I say to that? How many things are we investing in right now that we don't need to be investing as much in? I think about how much we spend on, and this is where people are going to get angry at me, how much we spend on the U.S. military, how much money they spend on getting into NFL games to promote <laughs> nationalism. And it's it's ridiculous. I mean, I think we waste a lot of money in this country. So if the idea is that we use 50% of our budget to get rid of poverty, to ensure that no single person, no child goes hungry, I think that's well worth it. 
I would give more than that of the budget to ensure that everybody goes to bed with a full stomach underneath their own roof in a safe, warm bed. Like I would, I would absolutely love that. Just want to point out two statistics to add to what Alex said. Number one, the average uh, social security recipient is getting about $1,400 per month. So if we're taking away social security and giving them universal basic income under Yang's plan, we're cutting quite a lot from them. And another point, the average private speaking to the constant recruiting that the military is doing at NFL games is making about 22,000 per year. So we're still working with a really low basic income. So with all these programs where we're trying to avoid universal basic income, aren't cutting it either. So we, if we're going to do it, we need to do it right. We need to really run the numbers and, and not just replace one, not very well run program with another one or two others. I'm just thinking the word plan is doing some pretty heavy lifting in uh, relation to Andrew Yang um, because he I, he just he has a catchphrase. He doesn't have a plan. That's why he left the Democratic Party to go sell books. Um, he doesn't have a plan. <laughs> he didn't think this through. You like math. Like that's, that can't be your whole personality. I don't want to tell you. I, th- I think, Dan, you're right. Like the, the what you're talking about with minimum wage, that doesn't include. I just want to like point out that that doesn't include anybody who collects tips as part of their job, um, their minimum yeah. wage, their federal minimum wage is like two seventy three or something. That's not the correct number. It's around there. It's less than $3. That's not enough to get enough tips. That's not enough to get a livable wage. Um, you know, nine something, $15, none of that. They've proven that that does not pay for a one bedroom apartment in the yeah. country. You can't buy a house with that. You can't put down roots with that. You can't be an innovator on that. But we're, supposedly number one in the world america used to build things fucking help us then (laughs) yeah and just so we're clear minimum wage we said earlier people say entry-level job right minimum wage was established so one person could support a partner a spouse and two children okay that is not what minimum wage is anymore Hmm. i mean you can't you can't support two people on a minimum wage. You're lucky to get by with one. And as a guy who's had several minimum wage jobs and been on the other side of the tipping thing, I can tell you it's not possible anymore to have one job. And it doesn't matter what you do because now everything is, you know, if you do get paid well, like for example, Three Rivers, this town is a factory town okay like we have armstrong we have american axle we have international paper we have a steel foundry all right these people these poor poor people not only i mean yeah sure they get paid well they get paid well but they're grinded to death yeah they have to work 60 70 hours a week steph high tree who is a uh um common guest on on keep your voice down she is a columnist for watershed voice um she is the office manager for watershed voice she's a superhero uh her husband works for a factory in indiana and he consistently works like 65 to 70 hours a week and they barely scrape by with two kids like you factor in a house you factor in raising an autistic child you factor in all these things which Yang's plan or anybody else's plan doesn't factor in. And minimum wage certainly doesn't factor that in. Um, That's a problem. Uh, As apparently the greatest country in the world, we leave a lot of people in the lurch and really in the gutter. I do want to point out as well that we're, we're telling, we're peddling in myths when we talk about a lot of our economics. Like for example, we keep throwing around the word entry level job. The idea of an entry level job, if we want to use that as a term, is that there is a ladder to climb. But we're talking about cashiers at Walmart. We're talking about people who make burgers at McDonald's. These are not entry level jobs because this is like a two step step ladder. If you get up to manager, there's no upward mobility beyond that. It's just the job. And the idea is that it's like a discarded job when you get your college education, which nobody can afford 
you know, without <laughs> serious debt. And like, it's, it's not an entry level job because again, it's not a ladder to climb. It's just a job that pays you crap. And then you either get really lucky or you have enough outside support to get past it. So like yeah. we're, we're creating this perception that one day you'll walk in and you'll start sweeping floors and 20 years down the line, you'll be running the place and it doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. And if it does exist, it's so incredibly rare that out of the 500 people that came into that job to just sweep floors, only one or two are going to end up running, running the place. Like you do hear that story still today, but it's, it's like betting all your, your, your future on becoming a professional athlete or professional yeah. singer or an actor who wins an Oscar and makes millions. Like it just doesn't happen. What do you think the person who was sweeping the floors and then suddenly became CEO looks like? Um, this I've never one, two, three, seventy-five uh, <laughs> percent yeah. of this episode. But no, 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 it's not. Listen, it's not you guys. Uh, it's not your fault. But that is it's definitely like, not me. It didn't work. <laughs> but I mean, in all honesty, when you know people talk about these like once in a lifetime, one in a million shots, that is who gets that one in a million shot are yeah. cisgender white males. <laughs> so then yep. it cre- oh, it yeah. perpetuates an, uh, an additional problem that we have in this country. And also is why we don't pay quote unquote lower entry or starter jobs. We don't pay a livable wage to those jobs because it all works together. The stem is primes you when you're, <laughs> it primes you when you're a new employee. Like, I work in customer service, so we're hiring people in batches. It primes you to look around at 10 to 15 other people starting the same job as you and basically being like, only one of us is making it out and it's going to be me. Only one of us is going to be prosperous and it has to be me. And so like, that's where we get into this discussion where people aren't sharing their wage scale. People aren't sharing their best tips on how to do the job best because all of a sudden we're in this rat race to get to this again, mythical position that like somebody's going to move six or seven notches up the ladder, even when there is a ladder that high, the it's also just an incredible bottleneck. And so we all have to play this game out. Are we really surprised that the fundamental, one of the fundamental things about being an American is being unhappy and working (laughs) yourself to death? Are we surprised that that's a thing in a country that was built on the backs of slaves? Not even a little. Okay. We're, and, and listen, I am in no way comparing um, the two, but the fact is the system in some regard is still in place. And there are very few people. And yes, they're white, they're cis. Okay. And they're old for the most part. Um, And these folks are telling everyone else how to live their lives from a perspective that is 40 or 50 years out of vogue it that world that they think exists only existed for them in the time that it existed i think i hear so many people i mean even as late as the 80s talk about well i worked my way through college like i don't know what you guys are complaining about you want to talk about okay literally a semester of college pretty much cost what doug and i paid per credit hour okay it's when Doug and I were in college, it was like 700 something per credit hour. So you were paying, no joke, like $2,000 a class. Okay. And that's the only way that you could like, the only way you could get through that is by taking out massive loans, which Doug and I both did, or taking out massive loans and only taking half the credits, therefore increasing the amount you're going to owe lengthening the amount of time that you're going to be in college and stopping you and stopping you, preventing you from prime, like entering with prime earning years. Um, That's another thing that folks don't, don't think about when you're forced to, because of the way the system is set up to be some, to be somewhere longer than you have to be. What you're doing is you're screwing the 65, 70 year old Doug um, you know, because he has to work for what he has to work for now. And like, I've had, I've also had so many people tell me, oh, don't worry about it. I didn't even make any money until I was 50. Why is that okay? Right. Why do we accept that as a thing? 
Because I'll tell you what, like, I value every single person who contributes to Watershed Voice, no matter how old they are, no matter what their gender is, what their sexual preference, religion, race, et cetera. Okay. Talent is talent. And we need to stop pretending that you can't be a talented, intelligent person who works at McDonald's. So I, I, I want to go back. We, you talked about earlier, Alec, um, you, Stephanie, you said, right? Yeah. So she and her husband are working. We, we, place, we place so much value on family values, right? You have to be a family. You need to spend time with your kids. You can't be, you can't be a distracted dad or a, you know, non-existent. Like you have to be with your family, blah, blah, blah. All that's true. Like parental leave should be a thing so that you can go be yes. with your child, whether you adopt or birth or whatever, you should be able to do that. And yet we put all the emphasis, emphasis on the dad working 60, 70 hours a week, just, just to scrape by. He can't be around his kids now. He's not there for his, for his wife in this case, his partner, his whomever. He, like, how is that a family value? If you're going to tell family values, allow the, the, the family to be together. I wrote down a story or wrote down a, a, a thing to think about here. My neighbor was, we were talking, I was talking to my neighbor the other day and they're, they're a little older than me. Um, he's now, I think medically retired because uh, he beat himself up pretty badly working so hard. Um, a few years ago, their son died. They have a daughter and she uh, wants to get married pretty soon. And he was talking about having to sell his classic car in order to pay for it. And that's his choice. Like, it's your choice. Do what you want. But I thought, how heartbreaking is it? And it's and it's and it's only a thing. Like it's it's a it's a materialistic thing. It's a it's a piece of equipment. But it's something that he has treasured over the years. He's worked on. I think he worked on it with his son at one point. Dude has to, is thinking about having to sell his car to pay for his daughter's wedding. Through no like no fault of their own. It's things like uh, healthcare costs that have come up, surgeries that have come up. Their son dying and having to pay for all of that. And the fact that they, you just squeaking by as a professional who owned his own business for two decades. And now he's looking at having to sell this thing that he, again, a thing that he treasures in order to pay for a wedding for an experience for his daughter. Like that's the kind of story that I look at and go, well, well, can't, can't we take care of each other better somehow? And I mean, that's not necessarily an argument for UBI, but I just look at that and think, why the hell are we working ourselves to death? But I, but I come back at why are we putting ourselves in debt for events like a wedding? I mean, yes, that's a whole nother. Yeah, there, there's that too. I, they're, they're not looking to do this like $20,000 wedding or more like so many people are nowadays. But it's just to be able to even pay for a party, a small party, like, you know, five grand or whatever. I don't know. Like, I don't know what their budget is. I, I don't know that. But, but yes, that's a whole nother. You're right. What about... What about the myth of the rich? So I was having a conversation with a friend of mine who um, trends very conservative, especially fiscal conservative. Um, capitalism is important. Um, big fan of uh, that guy who talks about no debt um, on his radio show where he's rich, but you know, nobody else can be rich anyway. Um, love, you know, they love that whole philosophy. And we were talking about things like uh, wealth, a, a wealth tax. And he was just like, well, you can't text the wealthy like that. That's not right. I'm like, hold on, hold on. You're not there. You'll never be there. So you don't want to take what they hold because they don't even pay taxes to begin with. Let's, let's be honest. But then you don't want to add this 3% wealth tax on the wealth that they do have so that we can pay for things like universal health care because you think that someday you'll be there. Well, that's America, right? I, like, I mean, I guess we're all going to listen. This is what America promises us. We're all going to get there. If we just put in a little bit more elbow grease, right. we're all going to be that eventually. That's what that's what this nation promises us. And then also doesn't deliver. And it's also only a promise for like a small portion of people. But still, it's a promise. But we can't. But how, what do we expect them to do? Sell their stocks? Do you see the Elon Musk bull crap? I yeah, just, like I can't pay my taxes because I don't actually, uh, I don't actually get a salary. It's all in <laughs> stocks. And uh, Doug, should it was I on, sell it? Yeah, it was on. Like, Doug, Doug uh, posted something about it, and someone commented, "I want to know the grocery store that you can go buy food at with stocks." Everyone 
wants to empathize like all these folks we're talking about they want to emphasize with the rich but they don't want to emphasize like empathize with the folks who are exactly like them yes they don't see that the guy that they're complaining about the person they're complaining about is them just in different i mean you see it with this pandemic mm-hmm. it is absolutely an era where everybody only looks out for themselves and yep. that is really, really selfish. And, and, and yeah, and I, and I have nothing. Like, I am not a rich person. I am saddled with that. And I give when I can. Yep. So, you know. And again, like- it's, it's another myth that we just continue to have where it's like, oh, Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos didn't pay taxes last year. And a certain amount of people are going to look at that and say, they won they beat a system that i wish i could beat and they are victorious and they will lead the way and it's like no what happened is is you paid his debt you you are the one who had to cough that up like that the the government just didn't just go oh shucks i guess we can't pay some bills they went and got it from other people who didn't have as crafty lawyers and that was me and that was everybody else on this podcast like it came from somewhere the bills got paid and one guy you know, left dinner before the bill showed up and the rest of us had to figure out his check. Like he can afford that's it. what happened. I can afford waiting. to pay it. Yeah. I'm the guy who waiting. made $34 billion in a day was like, um, I, I got to run. I'll catch one you. Day. I'll get the next one. Like, come on. I'm still that's waiting great. for that Amazon and Tesla money to trickle down. It has not happened yet. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, fine. but I mean, Christmas is coming up. So Jeff, Elon, like, let's make it happen. I mean, I'll take stock too. If you want to give me stock in Amazon and, and Tesla, I'll take it. By the way, apropos of nothing, Elon Musk did not create Tesla. He bought it. Somebody else invented those cars and he just had money from PayPal. He is not an inventor. He is not a scientist. He's a money guy because his parents owned a mine that ran uh, from slave labor. So he just had money. So my question is then, like, like how do we pay for it? If, if we were to say, okay, look, it's right that no one goes to bed hungry. It's right that we can afford uh, homes. It's like universal healthcare, all these things that we talk about. My question comes back to then, how do we pay for it? Because I saw somebody, I get my news from Facebook. Somebody posted this thing on Facebook that said, well, all I want, dear Santa, all I want for Christmas is my gross pay. And I thought, okay, then you can't drive on the roads because that was paid for by taxes. You can't, like there's so many things that you, that you can't do right now then. If all you want is your gross pay and pay no taxes, and you can't take advantage of the things that this country provides you. Stop being a dum dum. But if we were to pay for this, like, what do we do? How do we pay for it? Tax the rich, baby. <laughs> Make them pay their taxes. Yeah. It's not that hard. It's we money sitting right freaking there. What are Will we that doing? Will that take care of it? Yeah. I mean, does that take care of it? That takes care of a whole lot of it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Dan, you need to listen to Elizabeth Warren a lot more. You need to you need to hear because we talk about people who like math. She loves math. But you know what the difference between her and um, Andrew is? She's a lady. She, well, that math isn't that. her entire personality. No, she's sticking she around the Democratic for, Party. She has a plan for everything. Mm-hmm. Listen, OK, if anybody. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. but like, I'm serious. If yeah. any, we need to listen to her because it's not like. We're not talking about Romney cutting Sesame Street, okay? <laughs> like talking about how that's going to be a big chunk out of, you know, and I'm aging myself now, but whatever. Um, that was 2012, right? I was like, he had a binder full of women. He knows what he's talking about. It's fine. <laughs> exactly <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that PBS budget is really uh, what brings the whole economy crashing down. If he, if he could have got rid of Big Bird back then, we wouldn't be worried about Big Bird telling our kids to get vaccinated. That son of a bitch. Big Bird already anyway. told our kids to get vaccinated in 1978. Ted Cruz, oh, go to he, Cancun. Your barber hates oh, you, he you did? idiot. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. I was going to say, you know what I'm not worried about? Big Bird giving me COVID. Yeah. Okay. Right. And you know what? That's more than I can say for a large majority of this state. Um, I mean, Ted Cruz giving me COVID either because I know he's vaccinated. Absolutely so. vaccinated with a booster. I mean, I guess that's where I struggle, though, is is how to explain that. Like, I 
because I mean, money's not finite. Money's just a figment of our imagination. I get that, but it also is what pays the bills just like time is a figment, but it does exist. So how do you name it? But how do we pay for that? If, if we're giving money to every single American citizen of working age, I don't know how that works, but anyway, like there, it is finite in some sense. So where does that all come from? And, and it makes sense when I hear Elizabeth Warren talk, I'm like, yes, that's the person that needs to be running the show because she's smart. And it's funny because I used to work in the mortgage business. And when she was running the CFPB, she was not well liked among many mortgage people. But anyway, Wonder because why. she held people accountable. And why weird. is that? Why yeah, is that? Yeah, yeah. She made it work harder to steal their money. Anyway, they like she just makes sense. And but then because she has that D behind her name, people just they put their fingers in their ears and la 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 la. la I can't hear you. Hang Go on. Ahead, There's Kim. another reason that I nobody know. listens to her. And I just want to be really clear about that yes. because, uh, you know, the audience expects something from me. And it's realisticism. Um, there, there is another reason why yes. she wasn't our nominee. There's a reason why we don't listen to her. I just want to, you know, point out the obvious here. Yeah. It comes back to sexism, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. I mean, it often does. Yes. Yeah. And you said that on one of your, your TikTok, well, how do we get here videos? It all comes back to sexism as like as a joke. But in reality, yeah. I mean, yeah. like we do, I mean, it's ridiculous how we, just take the legs out from under, pull the rug out from under all like, because she's a woman. Anybody's that not white and male. That's, yeah. that's really yeah. what you're saying. I went to a concert uh, just recently for the first time in two years. And the opening band is a band called war on women. And they are a feminist punk band. And I was like, Oh, okay. I want to hear what they have to say. And it's amazing as a cis straight white male. Like I'm just going to shut up and listen. And I, may, I don't have to agree with everything they say or do. Like, that's fine. But I can listen and go, okay, there's a whole different perspective here. And I want to hear it. And I think that's where, at least fortunately, like Kim, you said 75% of this podcast is against you. Yeah. Wasn't, wasn't your words, but anyway. <laughs> that's not what um, I said at all. Yeah, put words in my mouth. That's really neat, Dan. That's helpful for your point. Yeah, that's <laughs> not uh, misogynistic at all, Dan. What that means is everybody Kim, boo Dan. I'm gonna go ahead and boo. mansplain this. <laughs> no, but explain it. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no, three quarters of this episode is cis straight white males, and I know that because we have that conversation. I'm not making an assumption here, um, mm -mm. but like that, I mean, we have to shut up and listen sometimes, and so. Yeah, dudes. So for it. the next 10 minutes, what I want is I want if she wants to um, is for Kim to go on a 10 minute diatribe about Kim why. Kim. Yes. About why. Just go. And it, why? it has to be that me... filibuster thing where you just start like reading a children's book like I'm parsing <laughs> that too. It's your turn. End the filibuster. Hold on, Doug. End the filibuster. <laughs> Even for Kim. No, 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 no. I I actually think. Well, yes, end the filibuster. But also, okay. if if you can't end the oh. filibuster, at least make people stand up and say words. You can't just say like, oh, I'm gonna filibuster this. I'm gonna do a lot of things. If people listen to my uh, gunnas, I'd have a lot. But uh, unfortunately, my I'm gunnas have to have a little bit of legwork behind them. We shouldn't have a filibuster to begin with. The founders even agreed that this was dangerous and stupid, and it's rooted in racism, just like everything else in this country. The system's working exactly how it was designed. But also, you know what? Fucking then stand up and don't go to the bathroom for a while. I don't know what you want me to say. Pay the price. Oh, oh Get that God. UTI. Okay, first of all, I thought I you believed in it. Dan, I don't oh. think she needs you at all. <laughs> she doesn't, dude. I, I want she doesn't. I want to listen to her <laughs> podcast. I know. No That's why I was like, you want to start a podcast with me? Yes. Just go. <laughs> like, yeah, oh, it's great. Poor it's great. everybody else. I'm sorry. Listen, Sorkin, Sorkin covered that too. The mm -hmm. filibuster. Yeah. Okay. Basically, if you need to know anything in this world, just listen to Elizabeth Warren and Aaron Sorkin. I think that's, <laughs> I think, I think that's what Kim and I are getting at at least. Kim, is Sorkin a good one or is he a problematic fave? Is He's, he like Joss I, he, Whedon? Um, I would 50. say, yeah, I wouldn't okay. put him so close to Joss, but I would definitely, I would call him pro problematic fave, but 
I really like him a lot and am willing to look and be like, yeah, that's not the best way to write a woman. But also I love <laughs> CJ Craig. Like, you know, you yes. can. Uh, why not both? He's more Tina Fey than Joss Whedon. I'm just going to keep throwing these names out You're, here because we had these. You have bad or there should be good. Um, I, <laughs> I just want to tear down all of your loves and be like, ha, sorry. Everything's now, here's terrible. the thing about Aaron Sorkin. He's just wrong <laughs> about women. He's not a sexual predator. Yeah. So that we know okay. of, right? Yeah. So his thing is like, there's this specific episode um, where it's like, I think it's Josh Lyman president Bartlett and Leo and they're all just sitting there by the desk and looking and just going, look at those women, look (laughs) at those girls, you know, and there's stuff like that. Like you watch it again and you go, wow, I did not realize this the first time through Um, because now like white men are finally getting it through their thick skulls. Well, some of us um, (laughs) that we're wrong about everything. So I honestly don't even know why you brought us on this podcast because I think Kim's got it covered. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're good to go. You lift right out. Hey, that's fine with me. That's <laughs> no, fine with true, me. As long true. as I don't have to do the editing, I'm good to go. Not uh-huh. true. I'll go back to that. That's fair. My um favorite, because I, I, I do like his stuff. I love the newsroom. Um, But my favorite thing that I've ever heard, like behind the scenes story about the newsroom is John Lovett, who is uh, was an Obama speechwriter and now has Crooked Media. He was a writer on the newsroom and talks about how he was in there one day and everyone was like trying to, you know, make something really serious. And I guess he just turned to the room and he was like, I don't know what we're doing here, guys. At best, the best thing they will do is create like a really good episode of Rachel Maddow. And Sorkin hated it. <laughs> he did not enjoy that <laughs> comment at all. But it is true. Like the seriousness of all these things. I mean, the West Wing, like, you know, that that is, the presidency is a real thing. There are very real consequences. But something like the newsroom, like the best thing. And same with Sports Night. Like the best thing you're going to do is make like a really good ESPN day. Like, <laughs> well, and what Sorkin was doing was literally the thing that he accused Will McAvoy of doing which was he was on a mission to civilize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and basically he was teaching, now it should be specific to broadcast media on how they should have covered these stories. Mm-hmm. And it came off as very like nose up, hey, I know better than you, which here's the thing. There are very few, Rachel Maddow being one of them, um, broadcast journalists that I actually take seriously mm-hmm. because the actual work is done down here where I am print journalism. And it's, it's because it's the folks that are actually here on the ground doing the actual work, local journalism, local media is the backbone to democracy. It's no joke because people uh, like John F. Kennedy once said, you know, I'm the only thing standing between Richard Nixon and the White House, right? Um, journalists are the only thing standing between the the kind of stuff we had to deal with for four years and, you know, the end of America as we know it. So basically, I think what I'm trying to say, Dan, is support your local journalistic entities true. with money, true. with money. Not just viewership. And what I also wanted to add was, how do we pay for this? How many American billionaires and millionaires do we have? And how much money do they give to the NRA and to other and other yeah. organizations that don't need the money? Last time I checked, last time I checked, um, guns sell like hotcakes. Like <laughs> you've heard that. Yeah, Yeah. they make a lot of money. Um, So why are we giving them breaks? Why are we doing all this? I was just going to say, if you want proof that they can actually afford it, look at about look at how much money they actually spend avoiding taxes. And I'm talking about political donations as well as like having 75 lawyers go over every transaction down to the paperclip to save money. Like just pay, pay the tax. Like you're losing a lot of money to the tax or you're losing a lot of money to the, the, you know, to the representative that you basically bribed or bought. And it's just like, just let us have that money and we'll use it. It'll be fine. You won't miss it. I know because you're throwing it down a hole. And one of those things actually does good for people. (laughs) 
one of those things. You know, I'm, I'm a faith guy. So I go back to the, the woman in the temple who had two, two denarius or whatever, two coins and gave them. And Jesus said to his disciples, she's the richest person here. She, she's so poor that she gave what she had just to help others. But the rich people who are holding on and just give one or two things, like you're, you're helping no one. And that's where I, I remember seeing a video somewhere. Uh, uh, and again, like I got it my news from Facebook, I'm sure. Um, it was one of those videos that talked about the, the, the charitable idea. Like, well, if we give rich people more money, they'll give to more charities and that'll help us. And like, that's, it doesn't, it actually doesn't work. It doesn't work. Nothing against nonprofits. You, you know, Alec, you run one, Kim runs one. I am on a board of one. Like nonprofits can be great. Also, they're not always, they're not always great. No, they're not taking care of our citizens the way the, the government can and does and taxes can, like anyway. Yeah. Can't all be as great of a nonprofit as the NFL. You know what I mean? If only, if only. <laughs> <laughs> we can try, we can aspire, but we just, yeah. um, we could perhaps consider taxing the church where everybody in the mega church chanted, let's go Brandon this weekend. Um, mm-hmm. Perhaps that could be of service to our fellow. We should should book a second episode on churches because I got a whole lot of thoughts right now. I've listened to the podcast, uh, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Oh, man. You do not want me on that podcast, my friend. Uh, My my Christian wife, um, who is, as Doug would say, one of the good ones. (laughs) Um, (laughs) doug would not say that no doug would not say that he said that jokingly on our podcast uh (laughs) with dan um but i can't tell you how many times i just get upset and start ranting because it's it's not just about the money it's about the power yes and when you have that kind of influence you could be doing so many nice things with that but if you're like opening the doors of your giant mega church during a hurricane, maybe. Yeah, that could be good. No, but my point is like, pretty sure the Jesus guy was like, help everybody be a friend to everyone. Something about so. loaves and fishes and stuff. And people want to go, Oh yeah, it was magic. No, what it was, was socialism. <laughs> <laughs> they had, they had a finite amount of bread and fish. And you know what they did? They spread it out evenly among everyone. So no one went hungry. Crazy. It was crazy thing. It was sharing. It was sharing, guys. Because as Big Bird has taught me so many times over the years, sharing is caring. Amen. And we're making a lot of moral appeals about why people shouldn't siphon money out of the economy. But there's a logical economic understanding to it as well. Like, I spend every dime I make and, you know, not so much frivolously and foolishly like I used to, but I do. Everything I make goes towards a mortgage or goes towards my car or goes towards my student debt or goes towards somebody else. It comes in, it goes out. When you give money to people, they spend it. When you give money to Elon Musk and he gets $34 billion in a day, that money is out of the economy. So like if our economy is an engine, it's running low on oil because somebody just took a cord out. Nobody would ever do that to an actual car, but he does that to the economy all the time. All the rest of them, they just move it into an offshore account and it just sits and maybe they accrue, accrue interest, but like the rest of us are getting choked by it. So like, like economically speaking for this to continue for our economy to continue for growth to happen for them to actually make more money we need to have it because we move it and that's what's getting lost as well this is a great conversation you guys this was a lot of fun um appreciate the the humor about this very serious issue um the the interesting doug that was a great knowledge bomb i don't know um but you just you like that economic thing that was man yes like how how can somebody argue with that? Um, they can, but whatever. They can also argue with vaccines. But anyway, um, yeah, great, great stuff, you guys. Appreciate it. So did we solve it? Are we good? We we agree that UBI is going to have to happen, right? We're good? Okay. Check that off the list. Yeah, tell Andrew, go back to the drawing board. Bring us back two and a half times what he originally said, and maybe we'll start getting to work. So guys, uh, Watershed Voice, keep your voice down. Uh, any website you want to send people to as they're listening and thinking, I got to hear from Alec and Doug? 
Yeah. So here's the deal, folks. Um, watershedvoice.com is an independent online nonprofit news organization based in St. Joseph County, Three Rivers, Michigan. We try our best to cover Southwest Michigan. Um, capacity can sometimes be an issue, but when we can, we try to keep it wide open. Um, we want to hear from you. We uh, Watershed Voice means that we're all connected, right? All of the streams in a watershed are connected, all right? And that means every single one of those streams is just as important as the next. What I'm asking is watershedvoice.com forward slash subscribe, forward slash donate, and keep it coming because we want to stay around. And our ultimate goal isn't to make money. It's to make the community we live in better. Doug? You want to give the keep your voice down handles and stuff? Oh, yeah. So uh, we are at keep your voice down pod on Instagram. Uh, we are at keep your voice down podcast on Facebook. And then we are also publishing on every platform, Spotify, Apple, oh, not Apple Music, Apple Podcast, um, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, like every, anywhere you can think of. Keep your voice down. And then just look for the description that talks about Alec and Doug. Also, if you are listening to this podcast, we just did a great interview with Dan Moyle. The guy actually had a lot of smart things to say. I know Kim is shocked right now. I'm floored. I did listen. Yeah, he was right. nice enough to talk about how I'm sometimes a guest on My America. It's really nice of him. <laughs> I love you so much. <laughs> yeah, Kim, Sad make sure you listen to the episode and see if he stole all your takes. He did. He did. I taught him everything he knows. But it's an excellent okay. episode. Everyone should listen to it. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys again. Um, Doug and I are always happy to talk. That's what we've done for the entirety of our friendship. Um, oftentimes too much, which is what white guys do, right? You talk too much. The name so, of the podcast is not an accident. No, it's not. <laughs> and it should also be noted that, well, it's the name of our podcast. We tell all of our listeners, don't keep your voice down. There you go. Excellent. Excellent. Kim. Yep. Wrap, talk us out of this. I am. Um, Cause I'm going to mess it up. You know, what? okay. That this, was an episode of Kim's America. Thank you, all three of you, for being guests. As always, I am your host at Kim Moffat on Instagram and Twitter. At Kim Moffat is here on TikTok, talking ticks. Um, you know, as a youth. Dan, are you? Do you have any social media? Don't look at me like I'm no. old. You are I'm not young, the youth. and I'm, you. I'm young at heart. Uh, you know what? Then no social media for Dan. Unfortunately, um, his got canceled. <laughs> um, no, no. Uh, at Dan Moyle on Instagram and Twitter at my America pod on Instagram and Twitter at my America pod at gmail.com. Y'all are fantastic. Thanks for being a part of this.